Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. A new kind of housing crisis. It's bloody terrifying. CMHC warns COVID could lead to huge losses in the real estate market. School reopening concerns. We would not have opened up schools again in June if we did not believe it was safe to do so. Will the Premier's plan get a pass? And masks go mainstream. It's more for my family, the older generation. Why there's a new recommendation for the added layer of protection. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A dire warning for homeowners tonight from the head of the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation testifying before the House of Commons Finance Committee. The COVID crisis has pushed so many people into financial hardship, home prices could see a crash. Ted Trenecki has more on the potential fallout. There is a fog descending over real estate markets across the country. Canada Mortgage and Housing is predicting a drop this year of between 9 and 18 percent on average, depending where you live. The biggest drops in the oil economies of Alberta, Saskatchewan and Newfoundland, but also overpriced markets like Vancouver and Toronto. The collapse driven by government, corporate, but especially enormous personal debt. We came into this crisis with $1.76 in debt for every dollar of disposable income. Well, that wasn't the healthiest uh, place to come from. They're projecting that we could go as much as $2.30 in debt for every dollar of disposable income. I mean, that's a remarkable number. Canadians aren't buying real estate, and those already in the market are struggling to meet their monthly payments. As much as one-fifth of all mortgages could be in arrears if our economy has not recovered sufficiently. That was the stark prediction CMHC gave a special parliamentary committee. Interesting points. It's bloody terrifying, Mr. Chair. How much could uh, CMHC and thus taxpayers stand to lose uh, this year as a result of mortgage default loss? So our moderate stress test uh, would suggest we could have claims losses of up to $9 billion um, over time as a result of these events. A graph shown at the hearing suggests home prices in Canada are already in free fall, bottoming out in 2021 and not recovering until 2023. The job market, debt and buyers waiting for lower prices all spell low demand. And that's why they're looking at significant drops in housing prices. I mean, it could be 15% if you read one study, it could be 20% if you read another, but we're all talking double digits. There's also a growing concern that existing homeowners with a mere 5% down payment could simply walk away rather than pay down a debt that's suddenly higher than their property is worth. Ted Chernaki, Global News. After just two infections yesterday, a bump in the numbers today. Still, overall, the news is positive with the recovery rate exceeding the growth rate. We have 21 new cases today for a total of 2,467. There are three more deaths, two of those in long-term care homes, meaning 149 people have died so far in B.C. 43 people are in hospital. That's down two 
10 in ICU, also down two, and 2,001 people have now recovered. Premier John Horgan addressing and condemning an increase in racism today while answering questions about the COVID-19 pandemic and phase two of reopening BC's economy. And while he believes we are off to a good start, as Keith Baldry reports, the Premier is also urging patience as we all settle into our new reality. So how did the first day of BC's next phase when it comes to fighting the COVID-19 pandemic go? Hi there, welcome back to Rose. Today, Premier John Horgan offered his assessment. We are now on day two of phase two of the restart of the BC economy. And although there have been some bumps along the way, and there will be bumps as we go through the next week or two, I believe we're off to a good start. But the Premier says he's disturbed by a rash of racist incidents that have occurred during the pandemic. The latest was the defacing of the ceremonial lines at the Chinatown Millennium Gate, now covered in duct tape as part of the repair process. I, I just can't uh, stress enough how it's just no longer acceptable. And I'm uh, grateful to see citizens standing up to racism when they see it. Uh, a number of news stories about individuals who said enough is enough and stepped in the way of racist behavior. We need to do that with increasing regularity. Ensuring that employees are not penalized financially if they stay home sick has become a big issue in the pandemic. And the Premier said today, BC is prepared to tackle the issue alone if the federal government doesn't participate. It's certainly on the table. Uh, I don't, I'm not ruling out anything. I still believe that this should be a national program with national leadership because it has national consequences. Uh, but we're prepared to go it alone if need be. Finally, the Premier said the B.C. legislature will be recalled in mid-June, although it will not look like anything we've ever seen before. Much of it, for example, will be of the virtual variety. I suspect we're going to see lots of uh, Hollywood squares or Brady Bunch type uh, uh, images of multiple MLAs that are in different parts of the legislature or different parts of the province participating in the, uh, the dynamics of the democracy of British Columbia. It's going to be an innovative time. It's going to be a challenging time. I think it'll be an exciting time. Well, I'd kind of like to see uh, BC politicians in a <laughs> game of Hollywood Squares. Keith joins <laughs> us live from Victoria with more. There's a lot of planning going on into the return of the ledge, Keith. Yeah, a heck of a lot of planning because this is an extraordinary event that's supposed to un unwind beginning in mid-June, either June 15th or June 21st is the date for the House to come back. Uh, so they've been busy at work literally measuring uh, two-meter distances in the chamber itself, and they figure they can fit a maximum of 30 MLAs into a chamber that normally sits 87 MLAs at any one time and still obey uh, social distancing rules. You heard the Premier talk about MLAs in different offices and different committee rooms or even being at home. Uh, there's uh, some giant screens being erected on the chamber floor because people People will be asking questions of ministers participating in debate through Zoom, through Skype. Uh, and that's obviously never been done before, but that's the new reality here. And when it comes to voting, which is the most critical thing in the chamber, that's going to occur all at the same time at night. And a lot of MLAs, again, will be participating through Zoom, Skype, uh, from their offices, from their own homes. There's not going to be 87 MLAs here all at once. Uh, they're going to maintain those social distancing rules to set a good example for everybody else. Mm. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Right. We're, uh, with another rent deadline looming, more financial relief is now on the way for struggling small businesses. The federal government fleshing out the details for the commercial rent assistant program. And while lower rent will help alleviate some of the strain, Aaron MacArthur reports the program is drawing criticism from some who say it's too little too late. Your business matters. It might be on the mind of the Liberal government, but rent relief for business owners remains the largest gap in the federal government stimulus plan. 
approaching June 1st, and there is still no real rent relief. The CFIB says 50% of businesses won't be paying June's rent. It's just a mess. You know, I described April 1st as scary. I described May 1st without rent relief as a nightmare on Main Street. And honestly, I am running out of words. And I think it's kind of incredible that we are where we are with no decent program in place. For weeks, owners have been speaking out about rent relief as a key component to staying afloat. From bakeries to gyms to large restaurant chains, everyone is asking for a break. We were hoping to get some support in in terms of rent, but deferring rent isn't really going to help us. Everything I've seen thus far, we've been ineligible for. The government has promised forgivable loans to their landlords of up to 50% of rent. The commercial tenant will have to pay a quarter and the landlord will have to eat the rest. How many are unwilling to take that loss? By putting all of the burden on the landlord or all of the privilege on the landlord, whether they choose to apply for this rent subsidy or not, they are putting small businesses in this country in serious jeopardy. Landlords need to be a part of the solution on this. Applications for rent relief open May 25th and are retroactive to April 1st. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Reopening businesses gives some of them a fighting chance at survival, but many employees are concerned about their own safety when going back to work. As Grace Key reports, employers are obligated to protect their employees' health, but workers have some responsibilities as well. Yeah, and can I get you to close down a little bit more? Dental hygienists get up close and personal with patients, so it's no wonder their association is fielding more questions as people head back to work. There are dental hygienists who feel a little bit threatened that if they say to their employer, I don't feel safe, I don't want to work yet, that they will actually be let go. And in this market, that's really tough. So what are the lawyers telling you? So we're, well, we're hearing different things right now. When it comes to safety concerns during the pandemic, WorkSafe BC sets guidelines for workplaces and fields complaints from employees. They have a right, actually a responsibility to address that with their employer, address that with their supervisor, talk to their health and safety committee if there is one, talk to their health and safety rep at their workplace, try to work those issues out so that their questions and concerns can be addressed. But what happens if your employer meets all the safety requirements and you still don't feel safe about returning to work. Can you be fired? Well, that may be a gray area. COVID is me, has been an exception to the law. And how long will it be an exception to the law? And until we know, we, we recommend you err on the side of caution. Keep those lines of communication open. Lead with empathy, safety, and be patient. Build that trust. You need employees to come back build that trust. Employers and employees are advised to check the WorkSafeBC website for safety guidelines. The plan is to focus on education rather than punishment. Grace Key, Global News. Frontline health and social workers will receive a one-time pandemic pay bump to compensate for the sacrifices they're making on a daily basis. More than 250,000 workers who deliver in-person care to clients are eligible for the top-up. That includes care aides, domestic violence workers, and correction staff. The lump sum payment made possible by funds from Ottawa and the province works out to about $4 per hour over a 16-week period. The bonus could add more than $2,200 to full-time paychecks and will be directly paid through employers. 
B.C. elementary school students are set to head back to school on June 1st, but there are still a lot of questions and concerns about that process. While some teachers say they're worried about their safety and that of the kids, some parents are asking if returning to classes part-time for just four weeks is really worth the risk. Richard Zussman reports. It's school done differently. Classrooms being set up for a voluntary June 1st return. This is a choice right now for parents and for families. We can determine what it will look like once we know who's coming to school. Some things will be for sure, like physically distanced desks. Other things may vary by school. Some schools will limit bathroom access to one at a time. Play structures, gyms, libraries and music rooms may remain closed. Carpets are being pulled out of some classes and parents are being asked to stay out of the schools. I want to assure teachers, I want to assure parents uh, that we would not have opened up schools again in June if we did not believe it was safe to do so. Ontario was keeping schools closed until September. The anxiety of parents here being reflected in an online petition. More than 16,000 people calling on BC schools to remain closed. Some people may feel pressure from their employers now that the schools are open part-time that they have to return to their work part-time as well. Premier Horgan making it clear employers can't force parents back to work. Employers should not be forcing employees to come to work if they're not ready to do so. But for teachers, Wednesday was back to school day to start planning. Worries around their own safety, especially for those with a pre-existing health condition or if they live with someone at home, high risk of getting COVID-19. Teachers and other staff shouldn't have to choose between their livelihood and putting their loved ones at risk. The other issue, workload, balancing virtual learning while kids return to class. It's hard to think of how that can happen without reducing the scope of what the rem remote program that is happening right now. And that'll, that will have an effect on parents who choose not to send their students back. Those still unsure about the return to school may get some answers tonight. Education Minister Rolf Fleming set to host a virtual town hall at 7.15 on the province's website. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Canada's top doctor flip-flops on the effectiveness of masks. Dr. Theresa Tam now recommending people wear them out in public. Why she's changing her guidelines in just over a minute. A new global hotspot for COVID infections. How it's quickly catching up to the United States later. And Terry Fox tribute shoes that sold out in minutes. Where they're showing up now, coming up on the News Hour. Right now, for the first time, Canada's chief public health officer is advising Canadians to wear a mask under certain circumstances. Catherine Urquhart has the details and the results of a survey on Canadians wearing masks that has some surprising information. At a SkyTrain station in downtown Vancouver, masks are now a common sight. An increasing number of people wearing them to protect themselves and others. Uh, I'm a hairstylist and uh I just, I'm a grandma, so I'm going to see her regularly, and I just wear it for that reason. Uh, yeah, when I, when I go to the store or when I, uh, I take the train, then I, I try to put the mask on. So. Canada's chief public health officer had been reluctant to recommend masks for the public. But on Wednesday, a change of direction. Dr. Teresa Tam said that at times, Canadians should wear a mask. In addition, where COVID-19 activity is occurring, Use of non-medical masks or face coverings is recommended as an added layer of protection when physical distancing is difficult to maintain. A new Leger poll of 1,500 Canadians reveals 48% of us wear a mask to grocery shop, 42% went at the pharmacy, 
Only 16% of us wear a mask while on public transit, 13% while at work, and about 11% put on a mask while out for a walk. Now that we're sort of reopening or restarting um, a lot of the activities, um, the chief medical officers felt that um, they can recommend this for um, people who cannot maintain that two-meter distance. As people return to work and public transit becomes busier, many say they will wear one. Yes, I would consider wearing one because it's important now because of the COVID. Yes, I wear one. Actually, I got mine in my bag. Not everyone is convinced they should cover up. No, it's not for you? Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable and feel good and safe. And feels good. Yeah. But as more of us choose to wear one, and we all get used to the idea, mask wearing very well could be the new normal, at least for now. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Up ahead, finding safe homes for the homeless. There's a small number of people who simply have said they do not want to come inside. An update on the challenge to find a suitable spot for everyone. Also ahead, Grand Forks faces another flood. What residents say could stop it later. Traffic is in good shape over here at the Patello Bridge this evening with minimal delays southbound on McBride through the Queen's Park stretch. At Kermat Collision and Auto Glass, the safety and well-being of their employees, customers, and community is their top priority. For essential vehicle repair information, please visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Wisson in Global One at the Patello Bridge. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. A third person has now been charged in the murder of a Surrey man last fall. 30-year-old Andrew Baldwin was found badly injured inside a Wally home on Remembrance Day. He did not survive. 21-year-old Jasmine Basran of Surrey was arrested and charged today with accessory after the fact. Back in January, two other men, Jordan Bottomley and Jack Palhothi, were charged with first-degree murder. IHIT says the investigation remains active and is urging anyone with more information to come forward. The B.C. government is declaring at least partial victory in the effort to provide housing to hundreds of people living at a trio of notorious tent cities. Less than four weeks after announcing the plan, the encampments at Topaz Park and Pandora Street in Victoria and Oppenheimer Park in Vancouver are gone. But as Nadia Stewart reports, not everyone is happy with the solution. By end of day Wednesday, over 300 people would have been moved out of Victoria's Topaz Park and Pandora Avenue. It is our expectation and hope that we will have moved all of the people from our original, when we started this process, we will have moved all of the people uh, by end of day. Moving into temporary housing in Victoria, sleeping in privacy pods in the Save on Foods Arena or among the 93 people at the Comfort Inn, which the province recently bought. In Vancouver, Oppenheimer Park sits empty. 261 people relocated as of May 9th. A small group setting up a new encampment near Crab Park now face legal action as the lot's owner, the Port of Vancouver, seek an injunction to have them removed. 
Minister Simpson says government is not getting involved, adding housing has been offered to folks here too. But homelessness advocates say the people who need it most still are not getting the housing they need. This order basically overlooked a very large number of people, um, some of whom are more at risk to COVID, are more vulnerable, who've been waiting for housing for a very long time. And in Victoria, there are new concerns. The proximity of Topaz Park to the Comfort Inn means nothing will truly change. And I hear it, by the way, from every neighbor that I meet over here walking by in the neighborhood. We are going to hold the, the city accountable and BC Housing and the government accountable. And we will watch carefully see how this thing unfolds. There, there's a small number of people who simply have said they do not want to come inside. Minister Simpson says they continue to work with those refusing to leave, though insisting no one will be forced into housing. That is your Global News. A piece of heavy equipment on a Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion site has been destroyed in a suspected act of vandalism. Very early on Thursday morning, Merritt RCMP responded to reports of a suspicious fire. When they got there, they discovered a blue Peterbilt rope truck charred and destroyed. Just days before, fuel was stolen from the same commercial vehicle. It's unclear if the incidents were targeted or crimes of opportunity. RCMP would like to speak with people who were camping near the site this past weekend. Police also requesting anyone driving through the area to review their dash cam footage and contact them with any information. Still ahead, rare access to the COVID testing lab. One, two, three. Reporter Linda Ellsworth takes one for the team to show us how it works. Also tonight, Brazil rockets closer to the top of the list of outbreak countries. From inspiring stories of hope and gratitude to the expert care and specialized treatments that save children's lives, you make this all possible. The 33rd Annual Miracle Weekend, May 30th on Global BC. Steady here in both directions at the Alex Fraser Bridge, but do keep in mind overnight maintenance causes lane closures from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions, all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. I'm Tristy Wissening, Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Michigan has declared a state of emergency after floodwaters breached multiple dams, forcing about 10,000 people from their homes. Of course, a mass evacuation like that comes at the worst possible time during the COVID-19 pandemic. And adding to the frustration, the fact that some of the dams had been flagged as potentially dangerous. The water came fast and furious. A pair of dams in central Michigan failing, sending water gushing into homes and businesses. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Massive amount of debris there. Reducing much of this dam to rubble. I never thought in my life that the dam would break. The flooding catastrophic. The governor declaring a state of emergency. It's hard to believe that we're in the midst of a hundred year crisis, a global pandemic, um, and that we're also dealing with a, a flooding event that looks to be the worst in 500 years. Evacuate the area. It's a crisis within a crisis. People here are still under stay at home orders for coronavirus, but 10,000 were ordered to evacuate. Daniel Hammond grabbed her pets and rushed to the school turned shelter. We're still under stay home, stay safe. If I stayed home, I wouldn't be safe. I'm not safe anywhere. 
right now. I'm not sure what we're going to do. Betty Pankey left too. Floodwaters forcing her out of this senior living center. The dining room and the kitchen are totally flooded. The river here cresting at more than 35 feet, a historic high. This is downtown Sanford. Entire towns already submerged. Now concerns for Dow Chemical's main plant, which sits on the riverbanks. The safety of these dams has long been under scrutiny. Federal regulators rated both dams as high hazards in 2018, meaning loss of human life is likely if the dam fails. Tonight, no deaths or serious injuries have been reported, but this community remains on edge, grappling with dual disasters. Today's flooding broke a 34-year record. Parts of Midland are completely submerged. Experts say that this was so destructive, the geography of the area could be permanently reshaped.